None of this phony baloney, unallocated, you know, bank certificate crapola. None of this ETF. Oh, I own gold, Andy. I own the GLD. No, you don't. You don't own Jack, Jack. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode and from the entire Live from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support and as you can imagine, this community keeps growing more and more every single week, and we thank you for that. Now, there's a lot to talk about during these historic times, and Andrew McGuire is in the house with an industry expert and, of course, by popular demand and one of our favorites from the vault community, Mr. Craig Hemke is in the house, and we'll be talking gold today. So fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be an amazing episode, and you're not going to want to miss a word of what's coming up here and, you know, Live from the Vault gives you access to information and updates that you just can't get anywhere else. And this episode is going to be no exception. And just before we go to Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire and our special guest, Craig Hemke, please help us spread the word about this channel by hitting that like button, sharing this information with people that you know, and also hit the subscribe button. Now, if you hit the bell right there, you see that little bell? Uh, you'll be notified in real time as each episode goes live. And so with that, let me give you a little introduction for those that don't already know Craig, our special guest. Now, Craig began his career in the financial services back in 1990, but he retired in 2008 to focus on his family and entrepreneurial opportunities that came about. And since 2010, he's been the editor and publisher of the TF Metals Report. And he can be found at tfmetalsreport.com an online community for the precious metals investor. And with that, let's head over to the UK and talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire and our special guest, Craig Hemke. Over to you, Andy. Hey, Craig. It's so good to have you on board again, my friend. Goodness me. How long is it since we've um, actually done one of these? Well, I know we haven't seen each other lately, but I do pop on your site on a regular basis and it is a real good experience. And I do honestly suggest um, people will see you there and hear you there. And um, they should do that. Well, it's nice to see you, Andy. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. One of the thrills of doing this over the last 12 years is all the people I've met around the globe that I never would have met otherwise. Um, in fact, I was just thinking about this last night. Um, I was out. Anyway, it doesn't matter what I was doing, but I was thinking about how weird it is. All the, I, I still am amazed by the people I've met, the billionaires, the people that are way smarter than me that I, you know, I never would have had a chance to meet if I hadn't stumbled into this deal 12 years ago. And, and you're right there at the top of the list. I, I remember when I first started getting into the precious metals in 2009 and 2010, there was this guy named Andrew McGuire who's like this mythical figure. And yeah. Uh, and now, you know, after all these years later to call you a friend, I just, it's, it's still, it's just remarkable. So anyway, so it's, it's, it's great. Hey, did we ever get to a million views on our little video you guys made of me that one time? Actually, I don't have to check on that. I reckon we must have got pretty darn close to it, if not more. That was, that was still an all, that was an all time classic. And, and we should put that up again because to be honest, it says it all. I mean, it really encapsulates it into, and the boys did a lovely job of that. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, and sadly, well, what's it? Maybe that was two years ago, and it's every point is still valid, unfortunately. Every single one, unallocated metal, and the, the kind of the shell game that gets played, and but whatever, it was it was you guys did a great job. Well, you know, and 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 I think we've had some. This is an interesting year, so and I know that you've done a lot about um, 2022-2023. Uh, been some big changes. We, we, we're both looking at the same picture. Maybe uh, I'm looking at it more on an Eastern basis. You're looking at it at a big global picture too. But I sense, really like to get a sense of, of, of your side of the pond right now. You're living there. Um, you are experiencing uh, really what, tell me, tell me what you're experiencing re regarding you know, this, the Fed, I mean, my goodness me, the night I did something with Bill Halter uh, last week, 
super guy, lovely guy. And he was talking about 1913. And he was talking about the final chapter is here, that very final chapter. And he said, it's a playbook. You're living there. Tell us what's happening. Well, yeah, I, I've always appreciated your focus. You've taught me so much about the global and the wholesale market and how that operates, you know, and, and how important that is. But sadly, as you know, as our friend Ned Naylor Leyland coined that phrase 10, 12 years ago about the, the future's tail wagging the spot dog. Uh, I mean, sadly, that continues to this day. And, and you can see, you can even see it on holidays. Like, uh, you know, the U.S. has celebrated President's Day not too long ago. So it's a Monday holiday where the U.S. markets are closed, but none of the other global markets are closed. And on that day, just like every other time on a, you know, when it's a U.S. market holiday, and nobody, the metals prices really don't even move. They might go up $5, then give that right back. Again, which is just kind of more anecdotal evidence that it's that futures trading in New York that just is such a huge driver of price. And I mean, obviously, you and I could go on and on and on and on and on and on about what a scam and a fraud all of that is. Uh, but it's still accepted as a form of price discovery. So it is what it is. OK, so then if that's the case, then we have to get to the bottom of what is going to drive uh, demand for those futures contracts. And currently there's none, Andy. I'm, I'm sure you watch this daily too. I'm astonished by the levels of open interest on the COMEX. Um, gold, as we speak, is around 420,000 contracts. That's it. Those are nine-year lows for the total amount of contract open interest on COMEX. And, and about half of what the all-time high was almost ex almost exactly three years ago in February 2020, the all-time high was 800,000. And so now we sit here at 422,000, the same as in silver. Silver got to 246,000 contracts or something at about the same time. And now it's 124. So there's just, there's no demand. There's no interest in owning gold at any level. Everybody just thinks, you know, whatever they think. So we need to get you know, if you're going to get price to move, if price is determined by the futures contracts, we need to get the parties, the machines, whatever, the hedge funds, the institutions that buy those futures contracts. We need to get them excited again. And I think that's going to, this year is going to play out uh, much like previous years that we've had, 2010 and 2019, where the everybody entered the year thinking the Fed was all hawkish, the Fed was going to be hiking rates, the Fed was going to be prudent, the Fed was going to be drawing down their balance sheet. And then at the first sign of economic weakness, whoop, they, they flip as quick as they can. Here comes rate cuts, here comes more QE. And in the back half of 2010 and in the back half of 2019, metals took off. And then in the following years, 11 and 20, is when they really uh, made some hay. And I think that's probably the most analogous set of circumstances where we are. And again, they need, we need the economic and mental conditions, I guess, for people to understand, you know, again, oh yeah, there's no getting out of this. The Fed is always just going to keep the plate spinning as long as they can. So therefore, hey, let's get back into gold. And we are definitely in a trough in terms of, of interest in, in uh, gold and all its forms at this point. Yeah, and I think you've, you, you, I mean, you've encapsulated it perfectly. The trouble is the, the average uh, commodity trading advisor um, isn't, hasn't even had a mandate to take physical delivery. And, and so he, he's never going to do it. So knowing that, then, then you know, and, 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 <laughs> and financing his positions or their positions, then you know the pain point. So, so you can actually do egregious things against them because... Well, they they simply not in their mandate to ever take delivery. So we will push it. And sometimes we get these massive overshoots as a result of simply that. And I think so really, you know, as you say, um, if they got sticky and, and, and had enough margin, great. But I think it's the physical market now that is beginning to cause what you've just described. Open interest starting to evaporate. Um, it's, it's not the same game. And as you say, it's interesting to see what you're thinking about 2023. But it's certainly the game is shifting a little bit because what happened was 
When we saw, um, the, obviously it was a PSYOPs operation in March last year, we saw, saw the Fed coming in with a PSYOPs operation. We can't have, let's get some sanctions on Russia. Oh, they, they're using gold, starting to use gold uh, and trying to, this is the first sign of them using gold. And so what do they do? They come in and put a wall of paper supply. Then what happened? Suddenly by November, they hit a wall. And what happened was during that time, we saw the first time in 50 years, central banks using, buying gold, more gold than they have since Nixon closed the gold window 50 years ago. So to me, that's kind of like a benchmark pivot point. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think there's definitely validity to that, Andy, because if there is any, well, validity to the current pricing scheme, then it, there has to be something to, all, you know, all the central bank demand, the record couple of years in a row of central bank demand, keeping the price up because from the, I don't know, regular drivers of the COMEX price, you know, if it's a nominal interest rates or whether it's real interest rates based off inflation expectations, uh, you would have thought gold price would have fallen considerably farther than it has. You know, you would think, you know, it'd be back down to 13 or 1400, but it's obviously it's not. Um, and so, you know, some might ascribe that to, well, everybody's looking ahead to what the Fed's going to do, but it might also be you know, what you're saying. This impact finally of the physical marketplace and, and frankly, the banks not being able to allow the, the price to go down. I'll give you one more along those lines. You're making me think of last fall when silver was banging around, you know, and uh, it had dropped through 22 and 21 and was down there around 18. And I kept doing podcast interviews and stuff. People say, oh, yeah, yeah silver is going to go to 14. Silver is going to 12. And I kept telling people, I said, look, this isn't complicated. You know, if, if, if you recognize that in a bull market, you know, the, the COT report gets heavy and the speculators get heavily long and the banks get heavily short. And then what happens? You know, they pull the rug out from under and down it goes real quick, right? And it's just your spec wash and rinse cycle. We all know that's what happens, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, last fall, there were three or four occasions when the exact opposite occurred where the specs were heavily short and the banks were very long. And I kept telling people, why would you now expect price to go lower? If the banks always win in these games, then the banks are the ones that are long. The price isn't going down. And what the hell happened? Four straight times we had these massive short squeezes. The fourth one finally shooting price from, what, 18 to 24 and change. So I, I think there's something to that, Andy, that there's a – there's a level beyond which, you know, the banks are unwilling to let price fall because they're the ones that are ultimately on the hook for the physical metal and they know what the physical situation is. And, I, and I'll give you one more, Andy, that I, I don't know how much this pertains directly to gold. But one of the key things I wrote about in my forecast, you know, I write this forecast. I usually publish it the first couple of days of January. Um, and it's a free article. Anybody can go to my website. I think it's called One Step Beyond. So if you want to go to Google, just type in, you know, TF Metals, One Step Beyond, and you'll find it. Anyway, you know, one of the other key factors is that these base metal supplies, um, you know, whether it's copper or zinc or nickel, lead. I mean, you go down the list and there I've seen charts, you know, that just kind of go like this. You know, the known base metal supplies, whether it's LME, Shanghai, New York, you know, wherever combined, the total volume metal is just dropping off the face of the planet. And, and so I'm watching copper really closely this year because copper's LME supply is dwindling sharply. I'm sure you saw that story about Trafigura. I think that's how you pronounce it. We're drawing a bunch of metal from the LME and a bunch of copper from the LME because they want to make sure they had copper to deliver in the months ahead against their own obligations. You know, what if, you know, it's not so much gold that has this uh, supply shortage that causes a disconnect. Maybe it's not silver, but maybe it's copper. Maybe it's a nickel that causes traders around the world to go, you know, as we've always said, wait a second, hold on just a minute. What kind of games are you playing here? You know, and then that finally starts this run on all the other markets. So um, there are a lot of 
very interesting physical things happening this year. And it's, um, uh, I think you're right. That's having an impact on price. Let's hope it continues. Yeah. And I think you're talking about, of course, you're talking about um, not uh, silver, not being um, uh, buzzer free compliant. It's, it's got no, there is no requirement for a liquidity provider to have physical. Whereas um, by the end of 2022, we had uh, the BIS squaring all their positions to zero, uh, 500 odd tons to zero, um, and positioning uh, net long. Um, and because the liquidity providers at this point had to have, you have to have the physical. So, so yeah, you can play a game to the degree that if somebody wheels around and demands it, you better have it. And so there is a degree of Obviously, some leverage involved as well, because that's where the that's this is where the COMEX comes in, because you can then take a take a few speculative bets on the over the counter market thinking I won't need to deliver this because, by the way, I'm a market maker on both sides and I'll just suck in some of these guys we just talked about who I know I can rinse. So so you do get that still, but it's not the same as silver where you can just. 500 to 1. It doesn't matter. They will just keep hammering that sucker. But we just mentioned BIS. What we do know now, and I've just just done something on this um, today, is the we now know through a very, (laughs) a very, a very well connected liquidity provider, that it was the Fed that borrowed 100 tons of metal from the BIS in January. 100 tons of metal because it backfired last time with the wall of paper so they tried something else this time let's take physical metal okay they've knocked it down by a hundred bucks and they sold it short probably around about 1920 or something like that so but that's all the traction they got now these CTAs are talking about they tapped out. There's there, there's nothing left to rinse. All you've got now is the momentum, the naked short momentum guys who are wrong at both ends and right in the middle. But this is so I think we're reaching a point where that's got to get repaid, Craig. It's got to get repaid. Yeah. Hey, one, it, you're reminding, it reminds me of the end of the London Gold Pool. Does it remind you of that? I mean, yeah. we're at the end. They're just taking all these desperate measures to to keep their scheme in place. Um, and it, I mean, they're just, it's like, um, you know, like the, the meme you've seen of the guy squeegeeing the, the tide back into the ocean, right? I mean, there's at some point it just becomes, you're just overwhelmed. So that's very interesting news you have there. Um, yeah, you know, Andy, as we, as we look into this year, it'll, it'll be very curious to see um, what happens with price as we finally get to this point. Um, not all, on top of all this physical stuff, as the physical stuff limits what the banks can do to contain it uh, on the short side and whether they're willing to. Because, again, with that open interest as low as it is, I mean, there's room for, what, a couple hundred thousand COMEX contracts to come in on the long side? I mean, that wouldn't be on you. So who's going to be the seller? Who's going to who's going to provide the other side of that, right? And even if if the banks willingly do it, that's going to be quite a bit of upward momentum to the upside. And then you break out above two thousand, and then that you know, then all of a sudden that gets the headlines, and it and it it garners even uh, more full speed ahead. So we've got such an interesting year ahead of us. And I I think the biggest challenge though for ever, for you and me and everybody listening is to kind of not get really, really short-term focused because it's still the same game. They're still going to try to wrong-foot you. They're still going to try to wash you out. If, by God, we're actually getting commitment of traders reports, Andy. If we were, uh, I'm sure the last month would show a massive spec washout in COMEX gold, right? And the same in silver. Uh, just because of the price action, the open interest action, I mean, we can pretty well guess what the reports would be showing right now. But uh, that's going to happen, not just, it didn't just happen, in, I'm sure it'll happen a couple more times, because that's exactly what happened in, like I said, these other years that are analogous to this year. Um, and, and again, this was kind of a focus of my report. I'm, if I, I'll just kind of 
give a little more basis if people haven't heard me talk about that yet this year. You know, as, as 2010 began, do you remember, Andy, do you remember coming out of the financial crisis, everybody was talking about the green shoots? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, the green, you know, and that was supposedly, you know, the economy growing back to life from the rubble of the great financial crisis, the green shoots were everywhere. Is, is not soft landing the green shoots of, of 2023, right? <laughs> See, you hear it all the time. So you go back to 2010, that's all I've ever said. Fed, the QE1 was a one-time deal just to save the banks, was never going to happen again. Green shoots everywhere. And by the second and then into the third quarter, the economy was clearly slowing again in like a double-dip recession. And what happened? By November 2010, here comes QE2. Back half of 2010, silver goes from 18 to 30 and then to 50. Gold went from 700 to 1900. Okay. Um, that was because the Fed had to make a choice. Okay. Now that we're playing this game, we got to keep it going as long as we can. Okay. Fast forward. 2018. We enter the year 2019. Same thing. Quantitative tightening, operation twist, drawing down the balance sheet, normalizing interest rates, all the same rhetorical games they're playing now, right? As soon as the economy started to slow in the first and second quarter, we got rate cuts in June of 2019. There were no more rate hikes. We got rate cuts as soon as June. Gold and silver, boom. And then you get COVID 2020, bang, right? So here we are again. 2023 begins. Everybody's talking about, well, one more rate hike, uh, two more rate hikes. Well, well, who knows? Maybe even three. I don't even care. Who knows how many it's going to be? The Fed is ultimately going to be cutting again and starting the machines again. And when they do, it's the same. So everybody wakes up again and realizes, you know, that it's just the same old nonsense that they can't stop and the balance sheet's going to expand and all everybody will want gold again and gold futures and gold ETFs and all that stuff. I'll give you one more thing, Andy, that I think is um, little noticed. You know, and again, maybe this time is different. I don't think so. Um, I think if the past is prologue, then I, I, I saw a study a couple weeks ago that said over the past, whatever it is, eight or nine rate hike cycles, the average amount of time between the last rate hike and the first rate cut is 75 days. And you can actually see this priced into the current Fed funds futures market where they've got a couple more hikes into June and then a cut in September and a cut in December. OK, so um, it doesn't matter if they hike again in March, maybe one. Who knows? They're they're driven. They're in the process of driving the economy in the ditch that will become apparent in the first six months, eight months of the year, whatever, just like it did in 2010 and 2019. And then by autumn, it'll be all the rage again about how, you know, how much the Fed has to cut. Are they going to are they going to are they going to cut 50 basis points this meeting because the economy is so bad? The job report was negative last month, all that kind of stuff. And that's when gold will just be soaring again. And I just, again, I don't mean to make it sound like it's so simple that a dope with a MacBook could figure this out. But all we have to go by really is history. And I, and, and outside of some, you know, extra circumstances, geopolitical or whatever, that make this time different, I just don't see how this plays out any differently than it has in the past. No, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I think what's what's interesting is when we look for... I mean, obviously, we we all wish for for a, a different situation. Uh, we wish for the end of the paper market. But what was so interesting, I think, on the um, first trading day of 2023, a Russian spare bank came out and literally launched, obviously, an official Russian uh, platform um, to digitize physical gold, put it on the lock blockchain, and this is the first step of commoditizing. Um, or allowing gold to be literally on the blockchain to be used as a currency to buy and sell commodities amongst the 3.8 billion SCO members. Now, okay, so, so we've got a bit of a dynamic there. That's never been there before. This is physical gold literally being shoved into that blockchain as a currency. And it's take, they're taking this gold out of the one supply, global supply. 
and there's only one global supply and that is we all know what the rough amounts are we certainly don't know how much smuggling goes on in in, in india i mean we have estimates of it but but essentially you know when you start removing physical gold which underpins the paper market leverage then it that's maybe one of the reasons why um you're seeing this contraction in open interest because hang on a minute it's getting especially in gold it's nsfr compliant so hang on a minute you know we're not stupid we're not stupid yes we want to rig the market but we're not stupid because shit if this thing comes blows back and somebody turns around and i think so last time they capped it in the 1950s or whatever 1940 whatever it is but i'm thinking they at this point here now we get an adoption of physical gold onto the blockchain in russia china they're looking to create this currency and it is happening and this this physical gold and okay obviously everyone's been sitting back and saying hey we've got momentum down let's sit back why go to a producer why buy anything when the price is coming to us but then as it as it is always the case everyone gets in on the way up and everyone gets out on the way down and then we reach a point where as you've just described where it just has to snap so what i'm thinking is is that the next time we rise and you were talking about hey guys hey you guys you know uh, ctas there comes a point where you, if you do add 200,000 contracts long and you are rinsable maybe you're not rinsable if underpinning your position is physical buying going on in the rest of the globe underpinning your position as you stair step higher that could be the 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 thing that blows these guys out of the water right that that's exactly right and, and you know as i remember talking with you last year you know about the basel three stuff what if um the traditional market makers the banks that provide the short end of the contract on that open interest what if they don't want to play what if they want to play at only half of what they've played before you don't get that same dilution of the of the total contract open interest suppressing price um and then it kind of can catch a life of its own i mean we really again these are things that you and i can anticipate and can plainly see happening it's really only a question of timing right it's like the whole de-dollarization stuff like you said i don't think there's any question uh, especially as things have been sped up last year uh in terms of these we'll call them adversarial countries to the u.s beginning to work together to create their own system because obviously the u.s show you get sideways with the u.s we're going to kick you right out um you, you know that's coming you just don't know how fast that's being implemented right and so in the end it just augurs for everybody that is a that is a part of the kinesis system everybody that you know is just a regular stacker buying you know taking some of their savings every month and buying an ounce of gold or a fractional ounce of gold uh, it's just a critical diversification for what is most definitely coming uh to be kind of a lifeboat in this storm uh that is that is washing ashore i you know the, the physical market like you said underpins all of these crazy paper games and um we've waited for these paper markets you know to kind of implode on themselves and there have been signs of it the as you, you know the the gold market really was on its knees in march of 2020 uh we've seen what happened in palladium the year before that we saw what happened in nickel last year okay so there are all these fractures happening in this digital derivative and fractional reserve pricing scheme uh, that are kind of waking people up uh, and, you know, and they've been able to kind of paper them over, no pun intended. Um, but that whole, you know, that that awareness that that's out there will only help speed the process once things really start going in our direction. I, I don't know. This is going to be a very pivotal year to see what happens. Not only, you know, will the Fed just simply shift like they have in the past, but what will that do to price? How much then does price rally? And then, Andy, you know, these CTAs that you're talking about and the other hedge funds and the other institutions that get washed back out, the people that buy the mining shares, write them up and then say, ah, now the Fed's going to play the games. And, and then they just dump them right back out. One of these times, they're not going to dump them back out. You know, people are going to wake up and go, 
wait a minute, hold, hold on a second. I'm not falling for this again. Okay, at a trillion dollars, they said it was going to, then at $2 trillion, it was going back to one. Then at $4 trillion, it was going back to one. Then at $9 trillion, it was going back to four. Now we're at $14 trillion. I'm not buying this anymore. I understand what the end game is. You know, and we finally get into one of these, uh, these cycles where things just keep going up, you know, like 78 and 79, where gold goes from, goes to 200, back to 100, then to 900. Um, I, that's what I'm really curious to see if, that's finally where what we're on the verge of. That all notwithstanding, the implode, you know, if, if finally the legs get kicked out from under the system just by pure physical demand, you know, that, that you've been discussing all these years too. Yeah, and when you think <clears throat> that the current game, it's, and it became pretty obvious that the current game, we always often think, well, what is the main, obviously it's the HFTs, it's the algorithms that are automated and they're set and they're programmed, they're directional. And so what was really interesting was that uh, this very recent, the, the most recent uh, gold raid. And what happened was, was that, and just to illustrate, I mean, we're trying to tell people, you know, really here's a perfect illustration, is that, so the gold price, uh, so the dollar felt was falling down at the beginning of the year. And then it rose back above the 50 day moving average. And what happened was, funnily enough, it rose back to the exact level uh, that gold started rising on the 5th of January. So this was a full gap close, in other words, but it's just the correlate, it just shows the correlation. It's really paper to paper. And so suddenly you see, hang on a minute. So the gold price goes back to uh, roughly 1829 or to 1828, which was the exact level that it rose when central bank buying came in after the Russian, Russia launched this gold digital currency. And, and then we saw this rise and then the dollar index fall. But the two married exactly together, exactly on, on exactly that same point. So it kind of illustrates, but what it doesn't account for is aside from all of this bullshit, there's a physical <laughs> market, an actual physical market, but no one sees it other than the guys who are enjoying it. And thank goodness. I mean, look, Craig, you do, you, you provide so much good advice. What do you tell your people to do? Certainly, oh, go and put all your money in the bank. Why don't you loan all their money to the bank? What are you telling them to do? Are you telling them to opt out? Well, it, it's, I think it kind of starts with what you were talking about, the central banks. I, I use this analogy a lot. I mean, look, you and I both, hold central bankers in rather low regard. Um, but they are educated people, right? They all at least have, you know, have some idea of what they're talking about. And what are they, what are these global central banks doing? Again, we're not talking the Fed or the Bank of England. We're talking about all these other creditor nations that have dollar reserves that are taking their dollar reserves and moving some of it to gold for various reasons, right? So where'd they get these dollar reserves? They got these dollar reserves through trade, through foreign trade, right? Doing business. They get paid in dollars. They end up with dollars. And they, they, they can either save in dollars and own things like treasuries, or they can diversify out of dollars into gold, right? How is that any different from what you and I do, Andy? I mean, you get paid for all your work in pounds. I get paid in dollars. You can either continue to save in dollars and pounds, you know, and buy gilts and bonds and stocks and whatever, or you can take some of your dollar reserves that you've accumulated and buy gold. It's the same thing that they're doing. I, you know, I, I don't think it's something that you know, we'd never recommend anybody just take everything and just cash out of the system because you don't know, you can't say with for any certainty when all these changes are going to happen. Hell, I didn't think we'd make it out of 2011. And here we are, 2023. So you've got to, you know, there's opportunity costs that comes with putting all your eggs in one basket and that sort of thing. So you never want to do that. But you, there's definitely value in understanding your monetary history. You know, the fact that, you know, that you start with a monetary system that's backed with something, a dollar, a currency that's backed with something, usually gold, so that people have confidence in using it. And then over time, as, you know, demands for that currency grow, they just start kind of lessening the value of it and cheapening of it, you know, like the Romans shaving off their coins and stuff to the point where the currency becomes backed by nothing. 
and everybody loses confidence in it, like the you know wheelbarrows of rice marks, right? Or Deutsche marks, whatever they were. Anyway, the point is, then what do you got to do? You got to back it with something again. The pendulum swings all the way back over to reinstall confidence. All right, so if these BRIC nations, you know, some combination, Russia, China, whatever, if they want to offer some kind of alternative to give them something that they can use outside of the U.S. system so that when they anger the U.S., they don't, you know, get kicked out and penalized, well, they're going to have to back it with something to get other, you know, other parties to use it. So, uh, who knows? I, I just think the most logical thing they back it with is gold. And if that's the case, then you definitely want to own some gold because that's going to break apart, you know, this current Western based, you know, New York, London system. And it gets, you know, in the end, Andy, it gets back to the topic you and I have discussed for years. You know, what's gold's actual, what is the actual price? What should it be? Because $1,800 an ounce is this phony baloney price based off of all this phony baloney gold that trades. If you just boiled it down to a physical ounce for a dollar or a euro or whatever, uh, and that's all we were basing it off of, what would that price be? And again, I, I, don't, I, I just know it's not 1800 I don't know what the actual price is. I don't even know how many ounces there are, right? We have no idea how many unencumbered, unleveraged, un unrehypothecated is that a new word i just yeah it's his word (laughs) put that in the urban dictionary um anyway we're going to get to the point where we figure out um what that price is hopefully in our lifetimes and uh it's not going to be 1845 dollars i can tell you that and so what we that's all part of what we talk about on my site you know it's not like i I can give advice but I, i try to give people i think a a learned, learned, wise, I make it sound like I'm some old sage like you, um, and try to tell them what I've learned all these years and, and try to apply it, you know, for present day to keep them involved and keep, and I've had a lot of people thank me over the last four or five years for keeping them involved through 2015 and 2016. And again, the only reason I did is because the math is the math. I mean, this is, you know, it's not like we're making up the math. It just is what it is. And, and so that's, you know, that's a a big part of what we do too, is just making you stay, stay, hang in there and stay patient. And that ultimately for this year, that's also very important. I hate using the word patient because every time I do, and there'll be people in the comments of the YouTube stream, uh, that this channel, you know, that this video is on that say, I've been patient for 12 years and I'm tired of being patient. So I hate <laughs> using that word. But this is a year you got to be patient. Just this year. Okay. Uh, don't let them wrong. If you sell, think of who's buying, right? <laughs> right. Somebody's buying your position from you if you get impatient and sell this year. And they're going to try to wrong because the banks know it's coming. Okay, they, I mean, they know they know how this is going to play out. They're going to try to wrong foot you. They're going to try to throw you off. They're going to try to take your position from you, and you can't let them do it uh, at this important time. And that's again, it's a very long answer to your simple question, Andy. It must be this coffee I've been drinking the whole time. No, it's the. I think you, you're right. It's about education, and and I think that's all we can do is like is present yeah. different views of different things from different perspectives. But I think I often say to people, look, okay, I had a guy just sold his business. He said, what do I do with all my, all my cash? It's in, the, in, in, in pounds in the bank, which could be any currency. It doesn't matter. So I said, well, okay, just think of it as, think of all your asset classes, whatever they are. I don't even need to know what they are, but your various asset classes. One of them is cash. Hang on. That's, you're going to lose 10% this year in investing that in the bank. Now, the bail-ins aside, I'm not scaring you with, with, with the bail-in potentials because if the, one of those banks goes down because the derivative market collapses, uh, you could lose all your money. But, but essentially, it's an asset class. So bearing in mind that anything, I mean, if I pick, touch this cup, it will cost, it doesn't mean the cup is costing more no, the cup has always been the same price. It's just cost more pounds or dollars to buy the same cup. Same with your house. Oh, I, went, I made 20% on my house in this. No, you didn't. The house is the house. It costs 20% more dollars to buy your house. So, and I think, you know, we look back to 1913 and uh, a barrel of oil cost 22 
ounces of gold. Um, now, 110 years later, it costs 24 ounces of gold. Yet the price is what? You know, so, you know, it just, it goes to show you. Um, it's about any real tangible thing. Your, your table you're touching, it's gonna, it's actually gonna cost more dollars next year, the year after. So I just say to people, yeah, be careful where you place your money. And if you think that you're happy to lose 10%, a year or probably more actually and you go to the supermarket is it 10 percent? i'd say it's more like 20 percent. but you know what do you think well I, I think a lot of folks have seen those charts you know especially since 1971 when uh nixon closed the gold window the the income disparities specifically in the u.s the, the net worth and wealth disparity in the u.s has just widened and widened and widened just because of that if you've got assets and you can keep up with inflation and that devaluation, then you're, you know, you're feeling or seeming to be doing okay. It's those that don't, you know, and here in the U.S., I mean, two thirds of the population doesn't even have a thousand dollars in the bank. You know, they're the ones that are, um, you know, that are, you know, just endlessly being squeezed by all of this. Um, you know, and, and Andy, it, 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 one of the things that, and I wanted to make, I just wanted to ask you this, uh, because I, I don't, I, before we wrap up or anything like that, I just wanted to make sure I asked you, when the last time I spoke with you, um, you had talked about this notion of the BRIC country starting to price commodities in gold. Um, I, I, I don't know how much more you've heard about that. I, I had spoken a couple of days before, I'm, you may remember telling you this, I talked to, I'd spoken with Ronnie Sturfela, the in gold, have you ever had Ronnie on here? Um, no, I haven't, but I should do. You should. Well, especially, you know, his that Ingold Retrust comes out in May. So he'll get pretty busy beginning next month. I don't know if he'll, but he, I mean, he's such a smart guy. Anyway, I was talking to Ronnie and uh, one day and he said he was, he was reminding me of uh, U.S. Secretary, Treasury Secretary Connolly in the 60s or the late early 70s, you know, famous for saying the dollar is our currency, but it's your problem, right? And how the mantra going forward now is going to be they are our commodities and they are your problem uh, from all these producing countries and it was I think the next day I spoke with you and he said and you said yeah I've been hearing about you know this notion of these commodity producing countries pricing them in grams of gold have you heard can I, I just would love to have you tell me more about that I bet everybody listening would benefit from that too is that are you still hearing that as a trend Oh, 100%. And in fact, um, this is what Sparebank did on the second of on the third of January, it literally blindsided the market by saying, uh, we're now digitizing physical gold, putting it on the trustless blockchain. And what they did that 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 actually is pricing a gram price of gold to be exchanged for commodities that that and, and let's face it, two thirds of the world 3.8 billion people, two, two thirds of the world, we're like 1.8 billion, um, are literally the main producers, consumers of commodities. No one trusts the dollar. So you, it's been weaponized and they all recognize that. Russia, uh, Russia, China, all the BRICS countries want to de-dollarize. You can't do it overnight because you shoot yourself in the foot. But by digitizing, by using these, these un, over, well, overvalued dollars to buy physical grams, which are completely discounted. What you're doing is essentially creating a currency. And, and, and obviously, the more that happens, probably the higher the price will be. But when you think of liquidity, and, and, and we're talking about liquidity, when you look at the oil, the gas market, the commodity markets, we're talking 12,000 billion. 12,000 billion in size, there's potential liquidity. And then people say, well, there's not gold, there's no way, you, there's, gold is not liquid enough. Oh yeah, it is at the right price, at the right price. And I think that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing this change in behavior. We've never seen a competing central bank openly say, we're now taking physical gold, and we're going to gram price all commodities in grams. What that's going to do for silver? When you price silver in gold grams, not dollars, what price is silver? I have no idea, Craig. It's not a uh, 
a gold-silver ratio of 85 or anything like that. I would imagine it'll drop that ratio down some. Um, <laughs> to God's given ratio, which I think Bill Halter says is 12 to 1. Something like that. No, again, this is the, this is the longer-term proposition. Um, as you learn more about the metals in the monetary system and then learn more about the history of the pricing scheme, you begin to realize how the price is has been managed to this level. You mentioned earlier about gold versus crude oil. I'd say the only reason that they almost still kind of match up is because they price crude oil the same way. You know, and, and the crude oil producers aren't can't be happy about that either. And so all of this kind of epical change is happening, you know, as as you know, as we enter 2023. And those changes usually happen gradually, and they've been happening gradually since really the great financial crisis. That kind of woke up all these parties to, you know, that the dollar end game was kind of gradually upon us. But the COVID thing and the free money and the trillions of dollars of new cash combined with what happened uh, last year at the onset of the Ukraine war, where, you know, the... The biggest weekend of the year, the biggest news really of the year was that weekend of first weekend of March when the U.S. kicked Russia out of SWIFT and seized all their foreign currency, their foreign held currency reserves. That was the biggest weekend of the year. And that that took that epical change and kind of gave it a shove forward. And, and that's why, again, may, you know, there's been money to be made playing the fiat game over the last 10 years. And if you've been in anybody like me that's been invested in gold and the mining shares and stuff like that have had an opportunity cost we've had to pay, you know, where we could have just been owning Tesla and Apple and, you know, and making all these fiat dollars. Um, but I don't know if that opportunity cost is going to be the same going forward. Um, I think now that that change is being sped forward, uh, it really means that people, if you've not are currently holding some physical metal, either in your hands or at Kinesis or, you know, some vault in some place, whatever. If you don't currently have some physical metal, if you've been waiting for the time to get involved, just look around you, read the headlines, uh, educate yourself. And I think you'll decide, yeah, maybe this is a time I should start kind of, you know, buying. Again, what a great platform Kinesis is. Just go on there and buy $500 a month. You just take $500 a month and just whether prices up or down, just start buying some. Um, it's a great platform for doing that. And, and again, diversify out of dollars into some physical metal because you know the direction this is headed um, because that's the way it's always headed in the past. And again, you can certainly read that, you know, if, you, if you're paying attention, you can certainly see it coming again. Yeah, I think, Craig, what you, you've nailed it. I mean, when you opt out of a system, which is essentially what we're saying, we're opting out of this Fed-driven system, this whole central bank system, you need to opt in to something else and you can't just sort of sit in limbo. Oh, I'll just be happy with my, my the, the bank handling my money. Oh, maybe I'll get bailed in. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll risk it. These are risk choices. And of course, yeah, so I think that's what I think is encouraging for what we're doing at the moment is the ability to opt into something that is viable, that is growing. But I think one of the things I think people continuously question yeah but you know you know when when the gold price i mean obviously we just described why the gold price so we've got all these things going on including probably uh we should be seeing we should be seeing a higher gold price so based upon purely supply demand with now two-thirds of the world starting to price commodities in gold grams the price from a supply demand basis is going to rise. It has to, because you're now taking more supply from a finite supply. So what's that gonna do to inflation around in the Western world who relies on dollars, pounds, euros to buy the same commodities that they need and they're being priced in a gold at a higher price? That's massive inflationary uh, input. Right. Right. And, and again, they, and on an even more base level, if everything is priced in dollars as it is now, and if the value of the dollar is falling, then all of those that makes all those commodities go up 
as well. I mean, this gets to that that discussion we we're having earlier about the alternative being offered. Anything that siphons away demand for dollars, which is what that does, you know, any kind of BRICS trading currency, gold backed, whatever, you're in, you know, strikes the petrodollar, that sort of thing. Anything that siphons away demand for dollars lessens the value. It's like any, just any old, you know, supply demand curve. If you took an economics class in college, we could be talking about oranges or lawnmowers or, I mean, anything, any good you have where supply meets demand is where you find price. If you, and what we're talking about here in terms of dollars in the bigger picture, if demand for dollars is falling because these alternatives being created, at the same time, supply of, de of dollars is increasing due to all this, you know, the ever-increasing amount of debt and the dollars need to service the debt and to keep the plate spinning. You've got falling demand and increasing supply. The value, the market resets that value lower. I mean, it's, like I said, anything, you know, like go to your hardware store. You know, if all of a sudden there are way more hammers than there is demand of uh, the demand of hammers, they're going to mark the price of hammers down because they got to get rid of it. I mean, it's, it's, that's just economics 101. So as the value of that dollar falls in the years ahead, just because that simple supply demand curve, then that impacts everything as well. At the end of the day, Andy, what we're talking about is all these different semantical ways of trying to explain to people that gold's not going to stay at $1,800, you know, and silver at $2,150 or whatever it is, is not going to be the price going forward uh, for time immemorial. Now, again, people in the comments are going to say, yeah, well, silver was $48 in 2011, right? I mean, that, you know, half, is half of what, it, fine, okay, right, sure, no doubt, no doubt about it, but it was also 14 in 2015, uh, so it's up from there. Um, all of these things combined mean that going forward, prices are not going to remain at these levels. How far they go up, I again, and how fast they go up, I have no idea. But for people that need to diversify, need to be starting to build positions out of dollars into something else, this is the time to be doing it on whichever platform, whichever form, however you want to do it. Just make sure you own physical metal. None of this phony baloney, unallocated, you know, bank certificate crapola. None of this ETF. Oh, I own gold, Andy. I own the GLD. No, you don't. You don't own Jack. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some own physical metal, uh, gold and silver. Have it either in your hands or at a trusted place where you know that you trust, and then um, you're prepared. Then you're prepared for all these things that we've been talking about. Yeah, and, and so what you're saying essentially is, guys, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more dollars to buy the same ounce of gold, the same ounce of silver uh, as we go forward, as it will all other commodities as well. Uh, but again, gold has that extra push here where we've got already last year we had uh, the central banks buy more gold than Nixon closed the gold window 50 years ago. So, so we've already seen that and they must have known what they were going to launch on the 3rd of January, which was digitizing physical gold, putting it on the seller blockchain. Hey, guess who does that? They must be copying Kinesis. I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> and what happened in 19... For biggest central bank demand since 1968. What happened in 1968? I'm trying to remember. What was 1960? Oh, that's right. That was the end of the London gold pool. Right. Exactly. Things so here, happen. Here we are. Central banks. They, 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 they were central banks are the ones involved in London gold pool. They know what's going on. Right. So if they're buying more gold now than they have in 50 some odd years, you might sit up and pay attention. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think, you know, Craig, that's a wonderful place to finish. How, as you just said, own physical nothing but physical, make sure it's safe, make sure it's somewhere stored, it's very safe. Um, and um, it's a question is, how much do you own at this point? Exactly, exactly. And it, as you said, that's, that's all you and I can do. That's what I do every day at my site. You know, I try to keep people focused because the news comes at you so fast. And as much of it, you know, think about all the COVID stuff, 
uh, in the political stuff, in the war stuff, much of it is so, the news is managed to really almost misinform you into thinking a certain thing. And so it is just, it's so important on a daily basis to be able to, you know, to, to do what you do, you know, to people I try to help to keep them to kind of siphon through all that, you know, and, and, and brush everything aside and, and, and actually see what's going on. Um, because it, like I said, the news is designed to keep you from seeing what's going on. And so in a year like this, I, I think I've concluded every interview I've done since Jan the beginning of January with just begging people to get as many objective and as independent source of information as they can. I mean, obviously that's what I do. That's what you do, but it's not just me. We know all kinds of people that have newsletters, YouTube channels, Substacks, all that kind of stuff. It is incumbent upon the individual this year to take the time to learn and educate yourself, get as many objective and as, uh, um, I, you know, I, I experienced wise voices that you can and get the full picture. Don't, if, if you're just, this is not the time to be sitting there, you know, just watching CNBC and, and swallowing what they tell you. You've got to take control uh, of your financial situation for yourself this year. And it's just extremely important that you go out and, um, and, and find a group of people, as many sources as you can uh, to keep you up to date on a daily basis. And, and by listening to the likes of yourself, the likes of what you've just been talking about, you can make a better informed choice. It isn't always going to be the right choice, but it's a better informed choice. And as you say, it's all about taking personal responsibility, not letting someone else do this for you. This is filtered through your own actions. If you get it wrong, you learn something. You get it right then that's great. But I mean, really, essentially, it's about, you've just said it, Craig, you've said physical, take responsibility. I mean, these are benchmarks in my mind every single day. And um, you can leave the woke world behind because, <laughs> <laughs> because they want to hand their hand out. They put their hand out, but there'll be only less and less dollars to pay them in the future. Right, right. Or you call your stockbroker or you ask your next door neighbor. I mean, they're not, you call up your stockbroker and say, should I own some gold? They're going to say, do I make a commission on that? No, you shouldn't own any gold. That, that's, how <laughs> that, that's how that's going to work. No, you've got it. Again, it's just imperative upon everybody. Uh, in this, this is a very critical couple of years we're entering here. Um, you know, part of being in a democracy and a republic and, you know, in a free society is you've got to educate yourself. You can't just get steamrolled. And that's why everybody should be watching your, your From the Vault every week. That's where everybody should be uh, finding websites they can trust, finding Substack writers they can trust, newsletters they can trust. And uh, again, this is a time you got to be educating yourself and thinking for yourself and planning for the future. I would encourage people to go to your website, TF Metals. It has been a resource for many years. It's one of the longest standing um, uh, information channels out there and and goodness me craig i can't believe it that how many years has it been running now i mean i can't remember when it wasn't you used to wear a uh, you used to wear a hat didn't you like yeah back when i was anonymous um <laughs> back you know in the, in the old day, but i just can't believe it. andy geez louise we were young guys back then <laughs> how many years ago was that uh 12 2010 wow. that's amazing 13 this year so and, uh, are you going to give people an anniversary um, price to come in and visit your store? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is it's not much more than $12 a month. Maybe that's what I should do going forward is charge per month for every year that we've been doing it. But it, it I, is I honestly mean people should come and check you out. And, and, and um, so it, we'll put a link in. Thank you. And, and you go to you hit subscribe. You go to sub the subscribe page. And uh, yeah, it's like any other site. You pick a, you sign up for an account. You, it's fifteen dollars a month or one hundred and forty-five bucks a year. And um, again, I take it or leave it. I, I you know, I'm not. I've got enough people on my site, but I'll take it. You know, I take as many as want to be there. This is just a time. What I tell people, I'm kind of your eyes and ears. You know, I, I'll write a report in the morning and telling you what's going on. Um, and I'll re record a podcast every afternoon you know, and update the charts and tell you what you missed. 
And therefore, you can kind of go about your life, you know, and do other things. And I'll keep you posted because I'm sitting here paying attention to this crap all day long. Um, and if you think there's value in that for 50 cents a day, come join us. It's a pretty good – it's an vibrant community. People, there's probably – 100 comments per thread, 50 comments per thread, you know, of everybody else chiming in, putting in their own content, finding their own links that they have found, you know, on all sorts of different subjects. It's a, it's a pretty cool place. I, I, it's just a gift from God that this is what I do for a living, and I'm, I'm honored to be the guy that runs it. Well, I encourage everyone to, to click on the, on the link. And uh, thank you, Craig, yet again for sharing your valuable insights time with us. You're a friend indeed. You're a friend of, of everybody, but you're a very close friend of mine too. And I really look forward to uh, the next update we do. Sounds good, Andy. Anytime you want. You got it, my friend. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Andrew McGuire and Craig Hemke for another fascinating discussion. Now, to all of our community, remember to buy physical, buy physical, only buy physical and make sure it's one-to-one. Understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another episode of Live from the Vault. Now, please help spread the word about this channel by hitting that like button, sharing this information, and make sure you subscribe. If you want to be notified in real time as each episode goes live, just hit that little bell there and we'll do just that. And so with that, we'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.